You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And here we are, episode 104. You know, uh, so you know, since this is a kind of a special occasion, we're smoking the special occasion uh, cigar. So uh, what are we uh, smoking this week, Brad? So um, this week we are smoking uh, the Las Calaveras from uh, Crowned Heads. Now, some folks... That listen regularly, maybe like, hey, I think I remember you guys smoking that cigar. Well, we did, but that was a year ago, and <laughs> since then they have uh, renewed, refreshed, and tried some new things for the 2018 blend. Yeah, the uh, Lost Caravellas is kind of like their annual, this uh, would be like a memorial cigar, so it's the, the blend kind of changes up year to year. A memorial to what? Yeah, to those who have... Uh fallen you know because it always comes out like around the time of uh dias de los muertes you know the day of the dead it sounds so much cooler when you say it like that <laughs> uh so yeah the uh the 2018 edition and you know uh, is one of the new things about this this is the first time they're using a mexican san andreas wrapper with uh nicaraguan binders and fillers well, so, I, I think the did the other one have the Mexican San Andreas? This is the first year the the wrapper was a, a San Andreas. I'm not sure. I, if, I uh, know they tweaked the um, the binders because I think um, you know I had read somewhere that you know this was the um, the first time that they have used the um, Nicaraguan binder and filler. But it would be cool if they changed up the wrapper too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is a, this is a you know a new uh, a new wrapper for the. Lost Calaveras. Yeah, like I said, the last one we had was was a real good cigar. And like I said, this one so far on, you know, first light of it uh, kind of falls in that uh, that category as well. You know, my only complaint with this cigar, though. What's that? Is, you know, the, the sizing is a little bit small. <laughs> yeah, for our, like... uh, our day-to-day uh, activities, uh, this is a little... <laughs> A little light compared to what we normally... Uh... I, I mean, this is, you know... This is, eh, I'm going to be do some, doing something for the next hour. This isn't our typical two-hour, you know, smoke. Yeah, we've, and, we've and, kind of fallen into that hole with most uh, uh, typical American smokers these days of, you know, we got to get that 60-plus ring gauge. So something more, uh, what, 54 or, or less? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, this is only offered in three sizes. You've got the... You know, five and five eighths by forty six, the five by fifty, and then the six by fifty four. So there you go. Um, I don't know. Right off the bat, I mean, it's not a bad cigar. But you know, let's before we talk more about the cigar, why are we smoking the Los Calavares? Well, what is this episode even about? Well, we're gonna go south of the border this episode. And we're gonna be talking about. Uh, yeah, we a, a while I believe a while back we did a uh, Sons of Anarchy episode, and you know recently they just wrapped up the spinoff series, The Mayans. So we're going to talk all about the Mayans uh, TV series. So we wanted a 
a Mexican cigar to uh, to go with uh, the Mayans theme this week. So basically, we're going to give folks a history lesson on the Mayans and the Aztecs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. It's going to be a history episode. <laughs> there we go. We're going way back. Going to Guadalajara or what other, other random Mexican word I pull out. <laughs> and, you know, if you're having to go up against a outlaw motorcycle gang, you should probably call on the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. And, you know, they come in the little pouches, so you can just put that right in your uh, your motorcycle bag and, you know, mix them with your uh, cervezas or, or whatever. You know, throw some in a margarita. You know, I just throw mine in my best pocket. Yeah, yeah. You got your cut on. You, you put that in a little little watch pocket on your cut. You know, you stuff two or three of them in there. Be good to go. Especially if you're hauling drugs, guns, or whatever criminal activity you happen to be up to. You need energy to, for those long-haul rides. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> as we digress back to the Las Calavaras, um, leather. Nuts, spice, and everything nice. This is almost like a um, a, a holiday spirit cigar. Yeah, it's you know, it's and got. I a... mean, it, and it is green and red, so it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's got yeah, kind of a chocolatey, oaky uh, flavor to it, and they say it's a medium to full-bodied uh, smoke. And I said, yeah, my my palate's always shot because we smoke super strong. So everyone else is like full-bodied is. Medium full body is a little bit lighter for us, but it's it's got a lot of good flavors starting off. Yeah, I'm not a. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing is, um, I don't know, you know the the wrappers, the fillers, the binders. I mean, you know, just it, it's crazy how you know subtle changes can really impact the overall um, implicits of a cigar. Um, you know, when we did the uh, the Fuma tasting and, um, you know, got to sample some individual components that make up cigars, you know, that was really insightful. And, uh, you know, the Mexican San Andreas, you know, it's kind of gotten very, very popular in the last, you know, year or so, you know, you used to, you, you if it had a Mexican leaf in it, they really didn't, you know, divulge that. Cause you know, people are like cigars from Mexico. What the fuck? But now it's like, I mean, about every other cigar I see coming out, it's got a San Andreas version. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have any, you know, issues with it. I mean, o- overall, wrapper construction, you know, looks, you know, good and tight. Um, You know, I, I don't see any, you know, huge, you know, tobacco veins or anything else, you know, protruding. Um, I, You know, if anything, you know, there's there's just a, a touch of um plume starting to build, which is, you know, the sign that, you know, the cigar is almost at smoking perfection. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, settle up your bikes. We're going to talk about the Mayans. Mother of exiles, the torch of hope. In the toss of the tempest, through us Madison's rope, but the brazen giant within the stride blocks the golden door to the U.S. of lies. Fuck your huddle, masses. Scrub our floors. Cut our grasses. I am a wolf. 
Welcome back. So, uh, you know, many people might remember a, I don't know, a little show that went on for what five, six seasons. You know, uh, called the Sons of Anarchy. Damn it! I so thought you were gonna say Firefly. Oh wait. Oh yeah, that didn't make it five that or six seasons. <laughs> and people rejoiced everywhere, and then aww. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, the original Sons of Anarchy, uh, made by Kurt Sutter, you know, that, that was kind of the one that, you know, just, I don't know, made motorcycle culture, like super popular again. I mean, it's always been popular with a select group, but you know, you see, I, I don't like know. Bikers. Yeah. But uh, you know, what's kind of funny though. I say that. I don't know how but... many people started riding after watching Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I've seen so many of those fake SOA cuts on <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I mean, the Reaper Wear sold so much merchandise off of that show. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was a, uh, you know, everybody always wants to be an outlaw badass until it's time to do outlaw badass things. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can go to jail <laughs> or get my ass kicked by real outlaws. No, thank you. I mean, most people's lives are probably more, you know, suited for, uh, what was the John Travolta movie? Wild Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's more my biker style biker gang there. Go join the Wild Hogs. <laughs> I do podiatry and and Podiatry accessories. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this year, Kurt uh, decided to go back to the, the uh, motorcycle genre and... You know, give us a spinoff uh, called the Mayans, which I'm kind of like that they did that instead of trying to go back to Sons and, you know, follow up a, a post Jax Teller. Because uh, at one point I heard they were going to do like a prequel and follow like the original SOA and like in and, and, you know, a couple other options. But, you know, the Mayans, know. The, the direction that Sons of Anarchy went, you know, I'm I'm with you is they. The way they started and, you know, the events that transpired as the season progressed and the way they ended, like, you know, to go and, you know, nope, this is all the events and it's now a prequel. It would have just killed, you know, what made, you know, the Yeah, I mean, so it kind of had such a perfect ending to it that... Not really. I was kind of rather disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Jack's dying. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, I mean, it kind of wrapped it up with, like, you know kind of a nice bow of of you know wrapping up those storylines so to go back in and kind of dick with that uh i think would have been a mistake but and, you know, I, and I, I don't know i mean the sons definitely had the better of the two tables like i don't know oh, who's yeah. in charge of the table budget in the mayans but those guys totally got the shaft <laughs> i do like their uh their hammer, though, it's like their gavel is like made out of car parts and shit. It looks badass. Like you could kill somebody with that gavel. Worst, worst case scenario, and I'm surprised that that might happen in season two. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the uh, you know the Mayans, you know, in the original Sons of Anarchy, they had a you know, which started off as their rivals, but then eventually became one of their like closest allies. Was the the Mexican gang, uh, the Mayans MC, and I do like. Because this one doesn't follow, like, because, you know, the sons were charming, and, and I forgot where the, was it Oakland, I think, was the, the main chapter that they were always dealing with, where this is, is following a chapter that's far enough away from, like, the original Sons of Anarchy that there's, there has been some 
crossover. I mean, there's sons have showed up, but it's been a, a chapter that you've not seen on the show. So it's like so far other than, you know, once we get toward the end of the season, like crossovers of like major sons characters, but you know, it's, it's far enough that it's like not kind of affected with the, you know, stuff from the original other than, uh, you know, Marcus Alvarez, who is the, you know, the chapter, uh, are the, the, what are you talking about, dude? We got the return of Chucky. <laughs> oh yeah. Good old Chucky. We'll talk about him in a second. But yeah. Emilio Riviera is Marcus Alvarez, which is the president of the MCs. He's, he shows up a lot on, on the Mayans, but you know, it's supposed to take place four years after the events of, of sons. And it's, 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 it's reminiscent of the original, but it's so different from like, he's managed to, to re he's not just telling the exact same story he told before, which is a different crew. It's well, I mean, I th- very, very much a different show than, well, than Sons. and I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, I think for me, you know, Sons was very much the, you know, stereotypical, you know, American outlaw, um, you know, where the, the Mayans is so much more, you know, of the Hispanic heritage influences and, you know, just the struggle that goes on with, you know, cartels and border life and, you know, wanting to try to do the right thing or, you know, just rebelling against, you know, the overall corruption of, you know, the the Mexican government and stuff. So, I mean... You know, I think you're, you know, playing in two very different sandboxes. So, I mean, for me, it had to differentiate. You couldn't have them, you know, Mayans and then, you know, just basically give them the same persona that the Suns had. Because it just, you know, it would kind of kill it, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, the Suns, their big criminal enterprise was always running guns and dealing more with the, you know, the whatchamacallit, the uh, Irish uh, mafia and, and, you know, running guns were they, other than like a few times later on in the series, they tried to stay away from drugs where, you know, this group of uh, chapter of the mines, which is the Santo Padre, uh, which is like a little, supposed to be a little border town, uh, you know, just, o- just over the line from Mexico, they're running security for the Galindo cartel and, and, and they're actively you know, in the drug game running, <laughs> not producing, but they handle the, uh, the transportation aspect, uh, smuggling and security aspect of the, of the cartel. But, uh, also the, just the, you know, focus of the show too, is so much different where, you know, sons was all about Jack's Teller and kind of the leadership of the club where this one, like the main character is a prospect. You know, he's like, you know, instead of following the guy who's in charge of everything, you know, we're following the guy who's like, you know, gets all the shit uh, details. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's the he's the up and coming. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I got to say, like, probably one of the, the, the coolest aspects of the Mayans is, is to me, I guess, you know, because I could relate so much to, you know, a lot of what the Suns, things seem predictable. But with the Mayans, just when you think you were about to predict something or you're like, oh, this is going to go this way. No, it would completely 180 on you. And it'd be like, yeah. where the hell did that come from? Because, you know, before we get into like the full like you know story, I got to say from like episode one and two, 
I thought that main character was definitely going to die because, I mean, they, uh, uh, whatever, J.D. Uh, Parado, who plays Ezekiel E.Z. Reyes, is the 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 newest uh, prospect in the in the Mayans MC. His older brother is a uh, angel played by uh, Clayton Cardenas, is a uh, you know full patch member and his his sponsor. But turns out that you know, and they kind of do it with cool flashbacks giving us like a little bit, a little bit of his background story till we get kind of all of it toward the end of this first 10 episode series. But he was a, you know, college, going to be a college athlete, had a scholarship, you know, basically photographic memory and was on point to become, you know, become somebody. I mean, he was going to go to college, play whatever sports and, and do something, but he made a mistake and, you know, his mom was, was murdered by somebody and in pursuing revenge accidentally kills a cop and goes to prison. So his like kind of future is all fucked. So he comes out like, you know, well, my only choice is to join my brother's gang. But then you find out that, Oh, he's secretly a informant for the DEA. So you're like, he's a rat. He's definitely going to get killed. And then as he like kind of gets closer with his brother and his brother's like offshoot of the club, which is, you know, uh, Gilly played by you know, any, any, you know, black rifle coffee, article 15, lead singers, whiskey fans, you know, Vincent Rocco Vargas and Coco, uh, played by uh, Richard Cabral turns out they're like secretly working for this Mexican resistance movement. That's, uh, trying to undermine the cartel. Cause they think the club shouldn't be running drugs. I'm like, Oh, so now you a rat. You're also, your brother's like doing shady shit behind the club's back. Like these people are definitely going to die. <laughs> It's like, it's like, how are they going to have a season two? Cause it's like all these guys are going to like get axed at some point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a, a, a good segue into, you know, kind of giving folks a, a little bit of a rundown of the series. Obviously we're not going to give you an episode by episode play by play because why the fuck would you want to listen to it when you could be watching it? But and um, we only have an hour. <laughs> But we'll I can hit some talk highlights really fast. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah. we'll just put a four-hour segment in really fast forward and make it an hour. <laughs> uh, but yeah, from the get-go, I was like, "Oh man, this this kid that uh, we're following is kind of he's he's screwed from all directions." <laughs> well, not only that, but you know, then you know he's got a thing for. You know, basically the the cartel leaders, you know, um, wife at the time, who was, you know, I guess a, a former lover, and uh, yeah, I mean that that can't ever be a good equation. You yeah, know? like even more drama for this guy because, yeah, uh, Emily Thomas played by Sarah Bolger, who I didn't know till I saw her on a on a YouTube show, is very very Irish. She has a good American accent because I did not know she was like super Irish. But yeah, that's like his high school girlfriend. And before he went to prison, like she got knocked up and ended up, you know, having an abortion. So, so he's still hung up on her and then gets out and like, oh, she's the wife of the cartel boss that we're working for. So yeah, that's going to cause some, <laughs> some issues. Um, yeah, I started as like every episode. I'm like, dude, how can this guy's life get like any worse? <laughs> Cause he is just like getting it from, uh, from all sides. I don't know. I mean, which, you know, I mean, it, it is really cool, you know, kind of seeing it, you know, 
from a, a prospect's perspective, you know, yeah. it's not all about, you know, the, the party and stuff like that. Yeah, you get let in on a little bit of stuff, but by and large, no, I got a leaky yeah. head gasket or, you know what, you just go and detail the bikes. And, yeah, while well, everyone else is in the in the chapel having the discussions and he's he's uh, having to bury the dead dead bodies and washing the bikes and getting the beers. Oh, and I got to say, like, you spoke about the uh, the Mayans' uh, uh, table and all that. I did like you know how they set up their clubhouse because you know the original you know SOA had their their clubhouse next to the garage and stuff, but theirs is is uh, the set decoration is pretty bad because they're actually their legal day job is they run a salvage yard and junkyard, and then their their clubhouse is in like a little partitioned off area in the middle of the junkyard. But I like it's cool. They got all these like you know, Aztec looking art and stuff, and and like Catholic you know uh, what are Virgin Marys and all that. But a lot of it looks like it's you know just welded out of like stuff from the scrapyard. It kind of gave it a really cool, you know, authentic look to it. Yeah. No, I mean you know it's 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 a little bit more rustic, and uh, I don't know. I mean I, I I'm just I think overall they probably have a cooler you know. Set up in a clubhouse? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm a gearhead, you know. Fuck. Yeah. Put me around some. Like, hey, can we go around the car crusher? Cause I want to crush some shit, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that too, and like the the style of the Mayans, I, I like. Uh, Cause you know the 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 American bikers, the the sons, like all their stuff, like all their black, all their bikes are like black. Where you know. The Mexican gang, like, oh, there's just got a little, like, flash to it, man. It's all, like, chrome and, like, fancy colors and stuff. I mean, they got, like, you know, the big chromed-out eight-panger bars. It's just, like, it's just, you know, like I said, as a someone who is a fan of motorcycles and stuff, it's, like, their stuff's a lot flashier compared to the <laughs> the, the stuff you see the Suns uh, driving. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't some stuff I like, but I don't know, man. I, I'm okay, you know, black on black on black. <laughs> I miss every once in a while I got to throw a splash of color in there, like this bright-ass green Las Calaveras band. <laughs> you know, and in some instances it's worked. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, you know, you go to a car show and it's like, damn, you know, that, that murdered out, you know, muscle car, you know, looks badass. And then, you know, a couple aisles down, it's, you know, there's your, you know, stereotypical lowrider, you know, freaking flashy ass colors, you know, and it's like that's a whole nother level of uh of badass. So. Yeah, like I'm not a huge fan of like the the tricked out lowrider culture, but the the motorcycle stuff look look pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, and that new uh At least yeah. they didn't give them crotch rockets. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be his next spinoff where he follows the Asian uh biker gang. <laughs> they will definitely have crotch rockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ducati's for everyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this like, uh, and we also have uh, Michael Irby as Bishop, who is the, the president of this chapter of, of the Mayans. And uh, yeah, just like, like I'll tell you the first episode kind of got me. Cause you know, it starts off with them, running security for a drug shipment and they got Gilly and another guy in the back of the truck with like machine guns. And 
some group of like Samoan dudes like run them off the the road and rob them. And here comes Rocco out of the out of the back like surrendering. I'm like, what the hell, man? He was back there with a machine gun. I was like waiting for like like you were saying where you you think things are going to go one way. And they just flip a 180 on it. Like when they go to raid that truck, I was just waiting for him to like bust out the machine gun and like blow and like shoot everybody. But like they're like, no, we surrender. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? Why are y'all going out like bitches? And then you find out, oh no, they're the ones who orchestrated the robbery because they're secretly working for the uh, <laughs> the resistance movement down in Mexico. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now, now the whole surrendering thing makes a whole lot more sense because you wanted them to steal all the drugs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I don't know. There were, I mean, no less than you know six or seven times throughout the season that you know, I mean, just what I thought mentally was going to happen couldn't be further from what actually happened. I don't know. I mean. You know, if people want to watch this as a series of, um, I, I don't know, you could almost view this as you have three groups all on the opposing side who, you know, want to come together and form a uh, happy unison. That's the end of the se- <laughs> there, there you go. That's, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because, yeah, you got, uh, you know, his brother Angel's kind of in love with this uh, leader of this resistance movement, Adelita. And, I mean, she played by... Carla Barath, she's gangster as fuck too, because she's Dude, kinda... she's got a neck tattoo. Okay, yeah. I mean once you once you commit to the neck tattoo, <laughs> you don't go back. Okay, I mean that's that's a hardcore choice. It doesn't matter if it's an in- innocent little feather or you know a pair of brass knuckles. I mean you're about that life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, she's like kind of taken advantage of. Uh, kind of the mess the cartel leaves behind. So she's recruiting all these like orphans and stuff whose parents have been killed because of cartel activity and building this whole like secret network. Cause no one expects like these kids to be, you know, spies and hitman. And like the little kids are gangsters. Like the one little girl that's like her main kid, like she's the one running, like, you know, eventually they kidnap the son of the, the cartel boss. And at one point, like, you know, the little kid throws somebody off a fucking roof. I mean, you just don't see that coming from from a little child playing with a teddy bear, and then I'm going to throw this motherfucker off a roof. Well, I mean, I think, you know, she realizes that... I don't know. I mean, you know, there was a, a sign of innocence where, you know, hey, this other kid is, is suffering, and we can help him, and, oh, well, this motherfucker double-crossed us, and, you know... You get double crossed, and you know, I mean, eh. sorry, kid. <laughs> I mean, you had more than one opportunity to try to, you know, correct your wrongs, and uh, you know, uh, and you got, I mean, but you know, then too, like, you know, like you were talking about, like just the, you know, the whistling, and I mean, it's almost like a, a, the the way a pack of animals would hunt, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, just the the whistles as, you know, oh, there we go. And it, you know, sets the whole stage in motion. And, you know, it's like you said, you know, you go from, you know, oh, this just a group of teenagers, you know, playing soccer to the same group of teenagers just fucking murked half your uh, cartel members. <laughs> yeah. Because no, like you said, nobody expects it from the kids. <laughs> yeah, and uh, 
Yes, yeah, you know, speaking of family, let's let's kind of talk about some of the some of the characters uh we have, you know, probably the biggest name on the whole show is Edward James Olmos as you know, as the father of Easy and uh, Angel, who is a badass in his own right because he's the the local butcher runs the butcher shop and he's kind of the go between between the DEA handlers and Easy. He's the only one that really knows that he's undercover at this point but you know as the series progresses we find out later on that he was a former uh you know uh, mexican uh was it military or police like that and he ended up like you know leaving the life and got a whole like witness relocation stuff and moved to america under a under a false id but this is a guy who did some badass shit back in the day like was cutting off people's heads and stuff but you know they kind of slowly introduce that, but like the stuff you see before they, the reveal of who he originally was, I love the episode where he notices some guy watching his shop and then watching his house. And he goes to his garage and gets his like sawed off double barrel shotgun and like sneaks up on the guy. And he's like, uh, the DEA sent me. I'm supposed to like, you'll watch you for your protection. And he's like, freaking got that double barrel shotgun. And so he says, yeah, you tell them I don't need a fucking babysitter. And like turns around and walks up and the guy's like, Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that a uh, few episodes, you know, before that, you know, where they start pressuring him, like, a- at the actual shop, and, you know, he starts talking yes. about the way that, you know, um, they, they butcher cows and, you know, go on to, you know, the, the whole line of, you know, you know, they don't use all parts, right? They don't use the spine. And, you know, I mean, just... <laughs> Yeah, because like I that, mean, you know, subtly hinting that, hey, you know, I might know some shit, you know, and yeah, uh, just the way he says it too, because the uh, the DEA agent that turns out like his this his cousin is kind of a dick at the start, and eventually too, he has kind of a, a character arc where he kind of starts trying to look out for Easy, and actually, you know, he's not just a DEA; he's actually kind of on Easy's side. But that first meeting where they're in the shop pressure room, he's like looking at the. He's got a big sign that has like all the parts of the cow, and he's like, "They really use every piece, don't they?" And after he, you know, fucking jumps an easy shit, and like, and as he leaves, like him and the old man, he's like, he's like the spine. He's like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, they don't. We don't use the we don't use the spine too much disease. I usually just rip that out." And it's just that veiled threat of like not like you know, <laughs> not actually saying fuck you, but like, don't make me rip your spine out, kid. <laughs> I'm old and I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm not thinking he gave a whole lot of fucks. You know, especially after you learn, you know, that it's not just a fragile old man, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. So, that I, I don't know. I mean, I think out of all of the characters, you know, he's probably the one that, you know... I don't know. I mean, you know, he he's very much a badass in his own right, you know. Not only is he there to give advice and, you know, look out for people's best interests, but when it's time to do badass shit, he does badass shit. Oh, yeah. And then you have, uh, you know, Michael Miguel uh, Galindo, uh, head of the cartel. That was another one, too, that kind of like he started off looking really, really gangster. I mean, he was like, you know, dumping hot oil on people and shit. And But then you, he's kind of more of a college guy businessman that just kind of inherited this gang. And he's really not that gangster at, at the first. In fact, like you see them bring like round up all these kids 
and you think he's going to kill this kid because they bring him into the into the their little hideout and they got all these like torture devices, and then he you know cuts the kid's hand open, does his whole like blood brother thing, and says, "All right, now you're in the gang. You work for me," and creates all these little spies to try to because at this point they've already kidnapped his son to try to like infiltrate the the resistance, and then like you know after the kid leaves, you know his like you know whatever chief enforcer is like. He's like, where'd you come up with all that? He's like, ah, I just wanted to make it look good. I stole it from some movie. He's like, yeah, but you might want to watch that blood thing. Those kids got all kinds of diseases. He's like, shit. And like, start trying to watch that. <laughs> it's just so you know, weird because he has that kind of flip of like, but then as the series progresses, he gets full gangster. Like, um, I mean, by the end, he, you know, Adelita comes to him and is like, we want to be, we want we can destroy your organization, but we know someone else will just pop up. So what is better the devil, you know, so we want you to help us improve life in Mexico and we'll be your intelligence and all this other stuff. Cause you know, she shows them like, we know everything. We have people everywhere, but I want the people, the, the cartel people who killed my parents. Her whole thing was her parents were like murdered in front of her pretty much. And he finds out that it was, his father's advisor who has been his advisor. And also he found out like he tried, his tried to convince him to like, let his son go. He's like, Oh, well you had a brother and your brother was captured by a rival, uh, and killed by a rival gang. And your father like didn't save him. And then he finds out like the kid died of like pneumonia or something, you know, like something medical. So when he finds that out and finds out that, you know, he was the one that was in charge of killing her parents. She's like, he's like, all right, cool. Let's seal this deal. I'm going to give you homeboy here. You know, you cut his head off and we're good. Right. It's like, yeah, all right, we're good. I mean, he goes like just full gangster by the end of it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's kind of weird, you know, I mean, cause obviously it's like, it, it's the villain and you know, you, like the beginning is not very likable, but then, you know, as like his son gets kidnapped and you start seeing the, you know, drama and everything else that that causes start to play out. And then, you know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, he gets back in touch with the humanity side. Yeah. But, he- you know, at the same time, still very much has that vengeance streak. Where it's not so much, I'm proactively going to go out and kill a whole bunch of people, but if you, you know, fuck with me, then, you know, I'm just going to fuck you over that much harder. Yeah, I mean, he kind of, like, finds that balance between his businessman humanity and what a cartel boss needs to do. He he seems more comfortable in his role by by the end of this season. And I do like after they killed, like, his, had his advisor guy killed, that he brought in uh freaking uh Emilia uh, Marcus, you know, the the head of the the Mayans is now looks like he's gonna be his new right hand man, new new advisor. Yeah, so he's kinda has to put the uh it's gonna be interesting next season. He's gonna have to put the uh the cut away and, and when you see him like leave it, you know, at the uh the Santo uh, at the the Mayans office and you know, he dude's gonna be like in a suit and shit, being all gangster next season. <laughs> it's gonna be Odd seeing him in that, you know, more mafia-esque role. Yeah, I don't know. See, I figured he would have the cut, like, 
maybe under a suit or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I thought the whole purpose of the cut was, you know, I mean, you you, you live and die by it, you know. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know. Who knows? He's the president, so I guess you know he can change, you know, the laws and do as he pleases and. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are, does that symbolize, you know, that he's going to resign as, you know, president and, you know, we... A bishop steps a, up to, you know, to head man a, or something? A major change in, in leadership and organization and, you know, maybe yeah, that's and, the pathway to getting um, easy, you know, fully patched. Yeah, because we... You know, him and Bishop had a conversation... At, at you know in that last episode, but you you didn't we didn't get to sit in and see what that conversation's about. So yeah, so they may may have been some kind of uh, uh, change in leadership gonna gonna go down. And even the wife too had like a pretty good story arc this season, where she started off as the typical mafia wife that you know doesn't know anything about what her husband does. To I want you to clue me in on everything. And she was gangster as fuck making decisions by the end herself because, you know, she was like, she's the one that came up with the whole idea. It was like, listen, this, you know, this uh, resistance operates a lot like ISIS and terrorist organizations where the harder you hit them, the more sympathy it garners from the local populace. You know, you have to make them look like the bad guy to, you know, to the average person before, you know, you can kind of make any effect. And, you know, and, and once, you know, the whole you know, resistance joining the cartel and also, you know, kind of gaining a tighter relationship with the Mayan. She was like the one that was kind of, you know, brokering all that. She was like her, you know, his lawyer business advisor by the end going, you know, all right, here's the paperwork and here's how all this is going to run. And <laughs> I mean, she's very much a, a, a boss bitch in her own right by the, <laughs> by the end of it. And that was, that was another one that was twist. You didn't really see coming where, you know, under pressure instead of, you know, crumpling she got a lot stronger by the end of it oh yeah absolutely and i mean i mean that was the thing you know i mean just those dynamics and uh i don't know some of the characters that i thought that you know were you know going to be you know kind of key badasses you know all of a sudden you know or starting to slow down and you know think about rational decisions and you know <laughs> yeah People are planning shit for once. Well, and I mean, not only that, but then, you know, toward the end, rather than, you know, there being an all-out war, you know, like how you've been set up for the entire season, like everybody figures out that, hey, we can all get a big piece of this pie if we, you know, form yeah. an alliance and work together versus, you know... Us three trying to kill one another. Like, <laughs> yeah, it went from very much, uh, you know, you expecting them to try to make a break with the cartel to know they're even like deeper in bed with the cartel by the end of it, and even how uh, was it? Uh, I lost my train of thought there. Um, I fuck it'll come back eventually. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the you know that was kind of the other thing, like. Um, you know, I guess the other big opposition is, you know, when, you know, there's some, you know, people jumping the border and they're getting picked off by, you know, 
a a random group with high powered weapons and you know then all of a sudden it's like well you know they've got drug scripts so these are drug mules so who's sending the mules over but who's killing them for the scripts and uh you know we get introduced to I, I don't even remember their name. I'm not. They're not really bikers. I mean, it's almost no. It's like, like white know, supremacist redneck uh, meth dealers or something. Yeah, I mean, for all intent and purposes. And you know, you you think that oh, there's going to be a major bloodbath, but the bloodbath is done internally through that group. But damn, if the Mayans and that you know group don't start working together toward the end, it's like <laughs> oh yeah, and that. Uh... I mean, and I guess that's and they, the... And you did get kind of a, a hint at local politics, too, through that, because, like, you know, they meet with, like, the mayor, and she's like, yo, I support your gangster shit as long as your things are being, you know, kind of kept low, and they're like, you know, this is not us. We'll clean this up. If they're fucking with drugs, that's fucking with our business, you know. Don't worry about mayor. We'll we'll take care of this for you. <laughs> and, I mean, even, like, the the... Where they visit the local whorehouse and like, you know, some of the officers are like in there. You're like, oh, they're about to be busted. And they're like, no, we just came to get a piece too, homie. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing is everybody, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like everybody's equally sharing a big slice of pie. Whereas, you know, and in the Sons of Anarchy universe, you know, it was really all about Sam Crow's share and, you know, fuck everyone else. (laughs) I did like you know to speak of some of the, but I you know do enjoy some of the the throwbacks you know of you know kind of meshing the two universes. Yeah, that's uh what I was about to get into. I mean, the first time you actually see the sun show up is when they're they're going after the people who supposedly ripped off the drug the drug uh, sequence, and they're in this epic shootout in the middle of a uh, you know. Um, a cemetery, cemetery yeah. and one of the guys we haven't talked about yet, uh, Coco, who dude is batshit crazy, and I love some of his little side story, and we'll get into that in a second. But turns out he's like ex-military sniper, I and mean, he like pulls out a freaking sniper oven and starts popping dudes. Yeah, you know, this guy looks like you know some piece of shit, but he's like you know you know, like crazy dude, but he he's like the freaking sniper of the group and is like popping dude. And when those guys go to run, and all of a sudden they're the sun show up and like block their exit. And he's like, I love it. They, uh, what's his name from Terminator two is, is like the head of that chapter. And he gets out and he's like, we got ourselves a, what was it? A, a freaking, uh, oh, fuck, uh, something sandwich. And it's like, it's like, you know, uh, 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 uh whatever, um, shit, uh, whatever Hawaiian pork squeezed between, uh, uh, uh white bread and a Mexican tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> but then other like connections to the sun's universe. One of the big side characters, uh, is old Chucky, the, uh, <laughs> the fingerless, uh, crazy, uh, accountant guy, that the sun's kind of uh, adopted. And they're like, yeah, we want him in a card match. And he's like working the, the, uh, <laughs> junkyard, but he is like just batshit crazy too. Well, it's I mean, it's, fu- it's, it's just crazy. Funny. I don't know. I mean, you know, we get introduced to Chucky as kind of the chronic, masturbator so you know they end up fucking cutting off his hand and give him the wooden hand and uh yeah you know it's kind of crazy that out of all of the characters from the sun's universe he has the most exposure out of everyone (laughs) it's it's almost like they took the 
lowest paid budget guy from SOA and was like, ah, we'll introduce him, you know, get him over here to the mines. Okay, we need a little comic relief. And I like because he's like taking care, you know, helping out Coco's daughter and stuff. And Rocco's character, Gilly, he, I would like to have seen him had like a bigger part. Most of the time he's just standing around looking like a badass. But he had some of the best like one-liners in in this series. I remember at one point, you know, they see him show up with the girl, and it's like he's like, "Hi guys," and he's like, "What do we really know about this guy? He could be a serial killer." And Angel's like, "I heard he was a chronic masturbator," and he's like, "Dude, I don't need to know that." <laughs> Just that look of disgust on his face. <laughs> oh, oh, and that uh, oh, when you know, Adelita finds out like uh, some information that she thinks, um. Uh, the father is the guy who killed, you know, had something to do with, you know, her parents getting killed. Cause she finds out that like, I guess her father was like his partner or something and goes to confront him. And he tells her like everything, like, you know, you need to know the whole story. He's like, he's like, you know, he got me out of, of the thing. So I would never turn on him, but you may want to look at the guy who took this picture. And it was, turns out it's been the, the Bishop or whatever that she's been working for. And when she goes after him, Oh, that was like, he walks into his office and there's somebody on his computer and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, he's like, I'm downloading a shitload of kitty porn. And like, and then they freaking hang him and make it look like a suicide. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. There's some, uh, some badassery. I don't know. I mean, you know, one of the cooler ones for me, I think is, uh, the old Indian casino, <laughs> yes. you know, I mean, they, they've always got a spot reserved. <laughs> yeah, they go because like that's supposed to be a gun-free zone, so they go have like you know, you know meetings uh, at the Indian casino because you know one of their guys is like yeah you know, related to the <laughs> the Indians. But yeah, they had that meeting with the uh, the 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 uh, yakuza whatever you know triad guys, and they're supposedly in you know and they're gonna have a have a meeting. And uh, you're at the end of it, like, oh, we got to celebrate. Hand me the the special tequila. And sure enough, they've stashed a gun for him, and they they kill the the one guy that the the undercover uh, Mayans was was going to try to sell the drugs, stolen drugs to. And like, oh, he was doing stuff on his own, and uh, they you know they're not allowed to kill their own people, so that was part of our deals. We had to kill him, and like they didn't tell any anybody else. So they're like, I just want to see the look on y'all's face, <laughs> just kind of fucking with them all. But if you notice too, if you look in the background, you know, on the bar, there's a bottle of Lead Slinger's whiskey. You know, Rocco's got to sneak a little, <laughs> a little shout out into the, <laughs> into the episode. Yeah, see, that was a, you know, I don't know, given, you know, the the direction of so much of the, the arms and everything else. Like, I anticipated him having, you know, a, a little bit of a, you know, bigger, you know, art authoritarian you know role in the series but um you know i mean he was almost there kind of like the comic relief in some instances <laughs> yeah, like he had some just... great little one lines and then like the one time where they find like a, a smuggler's tunnel that no one knows about and they send him in to like uh uh check it out and he follows the whole tunnel and it ends up popping up at the whorehouse so he comes out and he's like covered in dirt and they're like where you been and he's like i'm just working and he's like, i'm here to pick up so and so he's like He's like, I'm going to go get and get a blowjob first, though. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Just... <laughs> and there's other episodes where, like, you know, 
Angel and Reyes, or Easy and uh, Coco's off doing shit, and he's kind of left to his own. You just see him like in the bar back at the clubhouse going, where the fuck is everybody? <laughs> you know? <laughs> had those moments where he's just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> it's like, hey, you guys. <laughs> oh, and I like that oh, early on where they end up kind of, you know, at the start, they really don't like the cartels, mercenaries. And they get in that big fight in the uh, the vet's office, which is like their secret hospital. And they're all, because they're trying to, you know, find out who has the kid. And the cartel guys go shake down the hospital people, which, you know, they protect. So there's this huge fight. And, and like, you know, the main guys, you know, the cartel is like, wait a minute, just let them fight. They need to get this out. You know, <laughs> no guns, guys. <laughs> and, and like, the, you know, I think Bishop or Angel, whoever was like in charge of that day, you know, him and like the head uh, cartel guys is like, yeah, we're just going to sit here for a minute. Let them, let them fight. Let them, they need, they got shit they need to work out. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, too, we saw that, you know, just the, the Mayans in general, you know, I mean, when there was, you know, beef between, you know, two members and they lock them in the cage and, you know, it's, Beat the all living hell out, and you know that's like, all right, break it up. You know, one single gunshot. You know, both dudes shake hands, and we over this. Yeah, we're over it. All right, <laughs> let's go drink. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I I don't know. I mean, it, it, a lot different dynamic and atmosphere than than Suns, but I mean overall, like I. Uh, yeah, I found myself anticipating, you know, each show and the fact that it always kept me guessing, like kept me in tuned and, you know, not getting distracted by my phone and everything else. Like Yeah, and another and they even had that one uh when they were flashing back to uh to Easy when he was first going into prison, you know, when he goes to meet with his girl, like Gemma's there, uh, <laughs> visiting somebody <laughs> for the, so yeah, everyone's like, they just pop it like a little small kind of, kind of shout out to the, to the OG stuff. And especially with, with how it ended, um, which you have theories on next season when they finally, cause they, um, through this whole thing, you keep getting a little bit of flashbacks of, to what happened to easy and how he, he kind of fell into all this and how he, you know, accidentally killed a cop trying to catch the guy who had, uh, cause he's got uh photographic memory. So he saw the vehicle pull out when he was pulling into, uh, to, uh, the, the store and found his mother, mother dead and eventually tracks the guy down and gets in this gunfight and accidentally shoots a cop that rolls up on the scene. But you know, the final episode, a whole bunch of sons come there for a, for a party. And the one guy's like, Hey, do y'all have any like, you know, Bud Light or something? Cause you know, my, uh, I'm a prospect too. And, and my, uh, sponsor like, doesn't like this Mexican beer and like, Oh yeah, we use him. Who's your guy? Is it the guy over there? And you see, it's happy from like, uh, sons anarchy. And then, you know, immediately it flashes back to, too easy. Uh, when he's chasing the guy and he sees his face and it's happy. Like at the end, he's like, you think, Oh cool. You know, they've, and we'll talk about how they cleared up Easy's uh, working for the DEA portion here in a second. But you know, cartels happy, Easy's happy, all this stuff. And then like, oh shit, our ally, the Sons, are at least happy. Killed my mother, so that's going to start some drama next season. <laughs> Is it though? 
maybe because I mean, it's Cuspin is like a you know, whole thing is the this whole thing started with him trying to get vengeance, and is it going to be one of those that? Because you know, I think this part took place like eight years ago. Is this, is this going to be something Happy did before joining the Suns, or is this going to turn out to be a authorized Suns hit back in the day before they were allies? So that definitely could, uh, you know, fuck with the uh, the the current peace that's going on between the two. Yeah, I I don't know, man, because there's just been so much misdirection that. You know, or is that the, you know, thing that ends up pushing, you know, easy away from, you know, the club and stuff is, you know, maybe, you know, the club finds out about the bullshit and they're like, yep, squash it. You know, it was before your time. And, uh, you know, he's like, no, I still want vengeance. So who knows, you know, I mean, yeah, because that could be, I mean, mean, he's already doing some shady shit with his brother behind the club's back and stuff. So, I mean, you know, he he definitely isn't showing 100% loyalty because to him, it's, you know, very much family first. And, you know, I mean, family, I would still include Emily in that mix. Yeah. Another thing, too, he kind of had a, a, a weird twist to his story arc as well because it started off with, I'm only in the club because the DEA says I have to be. As soon as, you know, I clear this, I'm out, I'm gone. And then um, another previous character from the Suns, uh, the the weird uh, U.S. attorney guy shows up and who's investigating the cartel. And he ends up like, oh, no, we're going to, the U.S. government's going to side with the cartel and use them as kind of operatives, whatnot. And, you know, comes to easy in them and is like, cool, you do something for me, I'm going to wipe your record like it never happened. Uh, I need y'all to do something. And at the point when he gets captured and outed, he's with his brother because Coco's weird storyline is his mom's like a, an abusive hooker and he thinks she's abusing his his daughter and kills her. And as easy and angels trying to hide the body for him, they get pulled over and arrested. And you know, the, the weird, uh, you know, government guy shows up and goes like, I'll make this disappear. And if y'all do a favor for me, I will wipe your record. None of this ever happened. You never worked for the DEA. You're out. And his brother's like, whatever it is, I will help you do it. But you're done. Like once you're done, you, you're going to go to Bishop, tell him you made a mistake. You don't want to be a part of the club. And, you know, they do that favor, which turns out they, you know, the DEA agent uh, wants to be like a whistleblower and, and give up. The government is now working for the car with the cartel. So they're like, you got to eliminate this guy. So he doesn't blow the whistle on all this other shit. And you think he's going to go in there and, and you see him sit down with Bishop and you think, you know, the, the plan is like, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of the club now with my brother, brother's blessing. But then Bishop comes out and he's like, yeah, we're going to change the rules that, you know, family can't sponsor family. And he's like, what are you talking about? Oh, well, you know, your brother told me that, you know, the whole him being your, being a sponsor is causing a whole bunch of family drama. So you want to know if I would sponsor him. And I, I agreed, man. Yeah. No harm, no foul. So, and he, and he comes to him, he's like, dude, what the fuck? You, you were free and clear. You were out. And he's like, I learned that, you know, I want family. You know, it's like the, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And now this time being with you and being with the club, I have something to belong to and believe in. So he went from kind of being a reluctant gangster to, 
no, I want to be full in. I want to be part of the Mayans. And yeah, the, this whole thing with Happy may put him back on his original path of I've got to get the fuck out. But it was kind of weird that he went from that, you know, I don't want to be here to you are all family now and I, I want to stay with the club. You know, I want to do something for someone else other than just thinking of myself of, as what I have been doing all along. And that's what got me in trouble originally. Yeah, I I mean it just I don't I mean it's, it's just crazy the evolution and uh I mean uh, it's just really the the thing that kind of kept me glued. I I mean in a way that's the glue that holds the Mayan together. I guess. Is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> Yay. It's the link that binds the chain. <laughs> the motorcycle linkage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that whole uh, them having to kill the DEA agent, that was... Keep it in mind, that is, you know, still their cousin. <laughs> yeah, that was entirely... Because, yeah, w- w- once his brother... I, that was not where I thought he was going to end up dying, was because uh, you know, after his brother finds out that he's been undercover for the DEA all this time. He just kind of leaves him in the desert and like, <laughs> so he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And he gets called to like the secret meeting at the, uh, you know, at the, the casino. And, you know, they find out that like, we're all good with the, the cartel and the, the resistance and all that other stuff. And he goes out to like get on his bike and there's like a hotel room number, like written on his seat. And he shows up to this hotel room and like knocks on the door and Gilly comes out and like, with no cut on or anything and like looks around. He's like, all right, come in. I'm like, Oh, this is the part where they, they're going to whack him. And he gets in there and is like, no, we're having a party. We're all getting matching tattoos. <laughs> and he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh, and then they get that text from, uh, from Carter. But, like, you know, that that was another one that was, you know, for the patched members, that tattoo meant one thing. But then that conversation happens between Easy and Angel, and he's like, you know, I wanted you to get this tattoo of a snake because, you know, you're the one that fucked me over. Yeah, it's like a reminder that, like, you know, of what you could have been, you know, or something like like that. But yeah, then that whole drama of, like, you know, even though his brother's, like, pissed off at him, when they find out that he's got to kill the DEA agent, you know, First, the dad tries to, who's going to like take care of it so his sons don't have to, but you know, he's the guy starts telling me, reminds him of his dad and all this other shit, and he just can't, can't do it. And then Angel's like, I don't want my, you know, he's like, I'm already fucked. Like, there's no out for me. You know, my, you know, my soul is already gone. Like, I can't let my brother kill an innocent dude. You know, so he's trying his best to handle the bargain so easy doesn't have to. And then, you know, easy shows up and they end up both killing the guy. And he's kind of like, no, you know, I've, I've done my piece. I'm, I'm part of the, I need to be part of the gang now. Yeah. Only they killed the dude along with another dude. Yeah. That's going to be the other problem. Cause you know, the freaking Potter shows up and he's like, all right, you know, I asked for one buddy. You gave me two. So don't worry. I've, I've cleared your record and I took care of all this, but, uh, you owe me a favor. So, yeah, that's probably going to come back to haunt him uh, <laughs> next season. They're probably going to have to do some more fucked up shit. But speaking of fucked up shit, freaking Coco's, like, whole little side story. <laughs> yeah, that dude's 
got some issues. <laughs> oh yeah, to say the least. I mean, he's got a sister that's really his his daughter, and his mom's a, a prostitute, and uh, and they kind of like that whole like side story like bonding moment of uh, the uh, daughter <laughs> stole the mom's car and killed a trucker she was hitchhiking with, and they've got to dispose of the body. And uh, yeah, Easy is just like fuck. <laughs> this kid's gonna get me killed. <laughs> Those are some some little like some little side stories they they put into the season. Uh, I think just kind of fleshed it all out and, and kind of gave some entertaining entertaining moments. Oh yeah, because that girl is definitely nothing but drama. Yeah, uh, and she's like, "What is you with stabbing people? <laughs> just keeps trying to stab people." Uh, Why do you keep doing that? You can't keep doing that. But another thing I. I like about Kurt Stutter, Sutter's style is the little like just visual imagery he kind of includes. Like you keep seeing the coyote and the coyote like dead on the on the street and like the the, the crows uh, kind of pecking at it, or the coyote eating like the dead crows. I, I think at one point it's like you know just these little like just visual cues to the suns, but also into like kind of what's happening in the storyline because like. Anytime something like bad is about to happen nearly, you keep seeing this fucking rat show up, you know, you know, simply like that, 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 you know, they're rats at this point. And even when like, uh, they're taking the, the mom's body out of it and trying to put it in the trunk, the, the rat shows up and they end up breaking the headlight and I'm, or taillight. And I'm like, Oh, they're about to get busted. <laughs> and I gotta say for, for a biker, Coco had a badass car too. I mean, he wasn't only like, you know, biker, he had like the, the badass G blacked out GTO, <laughs> random yeah uh so as we kind of wrap this up uh any final thoughts or highlights from uh from the mayans that uh particular to you i mean i for me it was you know like i've said time and time again just the fact that it kept you guessing throughout the duration of the season and just when you think it's getting predictable, like it, you know, it flips upside down. And, um, you know, getting the perspective of lesser known characters and new characters versus, in my head, who we thought we would see, you know, as the main characters prevailing and everything. So, um, I mean, for me, that's, that's kind of the thing that's, you know, sucked me in is I, this is one season or a show that I don't really know what it's going to throw at me next. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many switches and like just the character possession is like pretty much everyone ended up different by the end of it. You know, and like you said, there was, there was so many like complete one eighties where you think the story's going one way and they, they turn it another way. Like I said, I, I like the whole like backstory of the father and how he was a, uh, a badass uh, kind of gangster in his own right. And um, like I said, Coco too is like some of his like shit was just hilarious and, you know, fucking weird ass Chucky always showing up. And it just had like just so many like just weird plot twists. And so, uh, you know, as we wrap this up and wrap up this cigar, any final thoughts on the Los Calavaras? It was good the last time we reviewed it. 
it is great this go round. Um, I mean, I I don't know what it is, man. I, I am just a a huge fan of the Nicaraguan tobaccos. I mean, they do it right, you know. I mean. I don't know. I'm not going to use a stereotype or try to, you know, talk about the Cuban cigar stuff and, you know, get on that rabbit hole again. But, I mean, once again, phenomenal, relatively inexpensive cigar. Yeah, and I, I'm, I've become a fan of the Mexican San Andreas wrapper. It's it's just kind of uh, like a spiciness to it that, that uh, yeah... It's I like it showing up in in more cigars, and this is kind of the Crown Head special edition they do every year, and it's you can taste it. I mean, it it it's a you can tell a lot of work goes into this cigar because it's it's such you know a flavor journey as as it were. Oh, <laughs> uh, and you know the yeah, like I said, the I can't wait to see what season two brings with the Mayans because. It's so different than the Suns. It, it, you know, it's yeah. I, I'm glad to see they didn't just try to recreate what they what they had done before. But the one big comparison: who has the better theme song? Uh, I musically, mean, this sh- both shows have always been great with their musical themes and whatnot. But I got to say, the I think lyrically, you know, the Suns probably take it. Now that's not to necessarily say that the Mayans is is bad, but I don't know. There there is more. I don't know. I guess I could relate more to the um to the Suns, but yeah. I, I you know I mean it's yeah some of the songs were were good and like I said the I do like the the Mayans theme song, but yeah that Suns Anarchy theme is like hell. That was my ringtone for like a long time. <laughs> but I mean, as as folks will hear shortly, though, there's been some hidden gems and yes, the Spanish the... paint it black that you know will um you know play at the closing of this segment, dude. It's one of those that's awesome. I mean, it's yeah. Some of the Spanish covers of like like classic songs you've already you already know is it was kind of. Uh, interesting this season i i yeah so they it's one thing they they do whoever does their uh their musical choices uh has done a done a good job so with that we're gonna ride off into the sunset and bring you another segment Some science. 
Yes, yeah, time to make like a sponge, absorb some knowledge, turn it into power. <laughs> Speaking of power, uh, scientists have created a Star Trek-like plane that flies using ion thrusters. So, you know, anyone who's a fan of, of Star Wars and whatnot, you know, the old TIE fighter, that stands for twin ion engines. So this is definitely something super... Uh, futuristic that that uh, we've not seen developed before and you know uh, a paper published in nature uh, led by a team led by Stephen barrett from mit uh, has created a uh, what they're calling an electro aerodynamic powered plane that uses solid state propulsion so no propellers no jet engines no fuel of any time this is a, a, a an engine that runs completely off of electricity that's pretty badass yeah, what it uh, basically what it does is it has um and you know as an airfoil type design which is like that's what most of your wings look like where it's kind of flat on one side curved on the other to cause lift and how this works is uh the front of the wing has electrodes and the back of the the aerofoil you know also has a you know electro and it basically generates a big electronic field where the front of the wing is charged positively to 20,000 volts where the end is negatively 20,000 volts. And what it does is it, you know, pulls electrons from the nitrogen in the air and that whole positive negative, you know, actually pulls the ions along the wing causing what they call ionic wind. So instead of like having a propeller or a jet engine that provides propulsion, the moving of these ions actually, you know, causes lift and, you know, air to pass, you know, along the wing. So basically it can fly silently without any kind of fuel or moving parts per se. So I wonder, can these electro charges build up and you touch the outside of the plane and get 20,000 volts of electricity and that's one hell of a static shock. <laughs> I mean, it's in the air, so yeah. It might turn into a giant bug zap or somebody clip a bird and <laughs> we got Kentucky Fried Chicken falling out of the sky. <laughs> oh, it could literally rain KFC. Nice. But yeah, they, uh, the this prototype they built only got it's got like a 16 foot wingspan, only weighs about you know five pounds. It's very much in the you know uh, prototype stage. They've not built like any kind of passenger sized vehicle, but you know, this is something that they've they've kind of you know theorized for a long time but technology just wasn't advanced enough to to produce this thing yet i mean some of the theories go back to like you know the 20s when they were you know experimenting with you know what are anti-grav tech technology but this is like the first thing i've seen that oh shit this looks like something out of out of sci-fi you know like freaking star trek uh <laughs> engines and shit oh yeah i mean it definitely looks awesome I don't know. I want to build a paper airplane. <laughs> you know, also with this, you know, since it has no, doesn't require fuel. Uh, so that's one, you know, thing to make it very, you know, green and whatnot. But it's also, since there's no engine or anything else, it, it runs silently. So this is definitely something that might have applications in the, uh, the drone industry, especially like military drones. If you want to really sneak up on something, you fly in a, a plane that you know is 
completely silent. <laughs> this is going to be the start of Amazon stealth delivery service. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit, I didn't know that was at my door. <laughs> or, you know, some ISIS guy like, oh, I didn't know this bomb was at my door. <laughs> yeah, so now when the you know AI takes over and Skynet builds the hunter-killer drones, they're going to be extra sneaky because of, you know, ion engines. Ionic. <laughs> oh. oh god i'm sleepy <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of uh uh silent but deadly and this also falls in the category of why why was money spent on this <laughs> this study but scientists have recently uh published a study uh in the journal of pediatrics and child health on how long it takes to poop a lego <laughs> Oh, I saw this earlier today. It never dawned on me that you would turn this into an actual science article. <laughs> I mean, hashtag pooping. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, basically, uh, a, six uh, healthcare professionals volunteered to swallow a Lego, yeah, and uh, a Lego head, to s- and spend a few days, you know, checking their poop to see how long it takes it to. <laughs> To get through your system. I mean, something, I mean, you're talking something not much larger than a pea. Now, the old school, very large Lego blocks, you swallow one of them, eh, it's going to be there a while. But I, I would imagine this right here, not much longer than, you know, average food. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit longer because, you know, there's really no nutrients or anything to absorb. So maybe it, you know... Uh, but yeah, they said one part of the study was just to kind of, you know, cause anyone, you know, if you've had kids or been a kid, you've swallowed something inappropriate at some point. And some parents may, may think, you know, call their doctor hysterically thinking that like, you know, this is going to kill a kid, but they're just kind of wanted to sh- show this to be like, don't worry, it's going to come out on its own. And if it doesn't come out, then call us. But you know, if, if it hasn't showed up in what the, the average time that the study study found was 1.71 days, then you can start to worry. But, you know, if your kids swallow something, give it about two days. If you don't see it, then seek medical attention. I mean, I can remember swallowing coins. <laughs> Just drop something in the old coin slot. <laughs> yeah. You get a whole different surprise. But, yeah, and it's, oh, God, they even came up with, uh, you know, to account for individual uh differences the 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 standards they came up with was the uh the shat scale score which is stands for stool hardness and transit time and the amount of time it took to travel from toilet or mouth to toilet uh uh titled the found and retrieve time aka the fart score <laughs> and participants uh you know reported a varied fart score from 1.14 to 3.04 days but how does that, you know, I see what I want to see is how does this compare to most foods that one would consume? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, how many times have you eat like hot wings and then two days later, like you get the ass burn? It's like, it's not an immediate, you know, it's, it's at least a day or two before you regret your, uh, your hot sauce binge. Usually mine's about 45 minutes. Right? <laughs> No, see, that's the initial getting rid that's, of the... That's why I have to kind of pick and choose because, you know, 
I like the privy of my own home. So, you know, I, I try to not venture too far. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and so even a side note, they said uh, the female uh, participants were a, a lot better at finding. That's because some of the male participants never found the, the Lego heads. So I think women are, are better at looking through poop than men are apparently. When, yeah, because you know. they're always trying to find shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's way better than the joke I was going to tell. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one. Then like, why? <laughs> uh, like, why is this a thing that science has to uh, explain? Uh, better yet, as many jokes as we crack. Why are we not scientists? <laughs> exactly. We're just not applying ourselves. Because yeah, this sounds like a bad idea. We're like, dude, I dare to eat this Lego and see how long it takes you to poop it out. <laughs> this sounds like drunk guys that are you know coming up with a with a stupid dare, and then like we're gonna write a whole science article that will get published. So this is what happens at science frat parties. <laughs> science frat parties. Wow. Um. Well, from one weird mad scientist to another, we've talked a lot about. Uh, uh, old Elon Musk and his possibility of being a Bond villain. But another uh, rich guy doing space shit is Sir Richard Branson of uh, Virgin uh, Airlines, Virgin Galactic, and Virgin all kind of other stuff. Uh, he's made news where he has you know, made the claim that you know, Virgin Galactic will send astronauts into space by Christmas, where Elon has been kind of, you know, working on like replacing NASA with the reusable rockets and launching satellites and stuff. Virgin Galactic has kind of gone the other direction where they're wanting to make space tourism a thing and trying to make, you know, civilian space flights possible. Dude, I know what it costs for like one of those like 10 minute helicopter rides around the city to go out of the, you know, atmosphere and back in. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, these first flights will will only be uh, piloted by test pilots until they you know have the technology all uh, all mapped out. But they're saying by by Christmas they're they're going to have their first flights in space. And Richard Branson said as soon as it's you know available for passengers, he wants to be he's going to be the first first passenger. But yeah, you know if you want to take a trip to the to space yourself once uh, Virgin Galactic is you know available for everyone's use. They're talking it's going to be two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a seat, <laughs> so it's not something the average uh, person can attain currently. But you know, as you see technology becoming more advanced, stuff eventually gets cheaper once they've paid for everything. You know, so maybe in another twenty years we can afford to go to space. But right now, if you've got an extra two hundred k lying around, you know, Virgin Galactic wants your money. I mean, can't we just get like you know do like. You've seen the slingshot thrill rides? Yeah. I mean, can we just not supersize one of them and, you know, <laughs> be done with it? It's probably cheaper. I'd be down to slingshot into space. But the whole return trip might be a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> Giant slingshot may be a one-way one ticket. <laughs> this oh. might be a one-way ticket. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a Lego head in your poop. That's a one-way ticket. Oh. <laughs> uh. And you know, I always love uh you know the two science articles that always draw my attention are potential uh robot apocalypses and zombie apocalypses. 
uh, and we have a uh, a wasp uh, that create a new species of wasp discovered that creates spider zombies. If the regular Walking Dead wasn't scary enough, we now have to deal with zombie spiders. I've heard about this because I'm like we've talked about like the uh, there's like a certain parasite that affects like ants and stuff, but this is a a newly discovered uh, parasoid wasp belonging to the Zatopata genus, uh, recently discovered in or recently published in the Journal of Ecological Entomology. Uh, basically, they they found that this this wasp lays an egg on the abdomen of a uh, Anolacinum eximus spider uh, in Ecuador, is where they where they found this thing. And basically, this spider is a what they call a social spider. It actually lives in colonies. It's not your just little random one off spider. They live and hunt as a group. And once this thing lays its egg, the egg develops into a larva, which then feeds off the blood of the spider and eventually takes over its body and causes it to leave its colony and build and weave a silken cocoon, uh, for the wasp larva that eventually, you know, feeds off the spider and, you know, ejects from the cocoon as a fully grown wasp. But yeah, it's, it's super weird that, like I said, it's, it, you know, this thing, you know, kind of, takes over the body of the spider and makes it do its will. That's crazy. Yeah. Discovered by, uh, Felipe Fernandez foreigner <laughs> for near maybe. Yeah. So, th- yeah, so these spiders like rarely leave their colony. And I said, this thing just kind of just makes it its bitch and makes it build a cocoon for it and then eats it. So, yeah. So now you have to worry about zombie spiders in your, in your nightmares instead of just regular man eating Zombies. Dang. Nature's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> Eight-legged zombie freaks. Oh, we're, we're on an idea. We could make the next great low-budget horror movie. <laughs> but we've just shared it with the seven people currently listening. Copyright, trademark, cigar nerds. <laughs> we say it now. Zombie spiders come in 2020. <laughs> we're going to start a Kickstarter tomorrow uh, to get money for our... <laughs> Our zombie spider movie. Uh, we're going to go old school stop animation. Or Ducknado. <laughs> Ducknado. Uh, that's all I got uh, Creepy Carly news this week. So we'll be right back with some regular news. Do you enjoy TV shows, movies, video games, comics, or novels? Do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree? If you do, then the 42 cast is right for you. We're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, or 42cast.com. You can also support us and the entire ESO Network by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. That's the 42cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. And now it's time for all things nerdy and nerd Fake news, fake news, fake news. Yeah. It's all fake. Fake news. And now now for news. (laughs) Yeah, that was all on air. You know, fake news, fake news, you know? I mean, you just got to keep it going. Yeah, news. No, fake news, fake news. It's not real news after all. 
All right, um, to start this edition of Nerd News, Daredevil been canceled after three seasons. As expected. <laughs> but here's a twist I saw today that is actually not due to, um, you know, Disney streaming service. Because Disney is not committed to keeping these shows ongoing on the streaming service. Yeah, but I've also seen Marvel put out a statement that is like, this is not the last we'll see of Daredevil. Yeah, so... They're like, no, it's not going to be on the so Disney service. So it's on a, the Disney service. <laughs> so Disney's going to have a streaming service, but then there's going to be an exclusive Marvel Disney streaming service. I would not doubt it. <laughs> and then if you want Star Wars, there'll be a words, English, um, you know, streaming service specifically for Star Wars that we can charge a premium for. Yeah, like so they're gonna they're gonna make us like you know buy three streaming services now. But yeah, it's like from the minute this whole Disney deal went here, like, yeah, these Marvel Netflix series have got to to end at some point. But yeah, I would not be surprised at all if they're like, Oh no, we're not we're not sure we're gonna even if they don't do a specific Daredevil series on that they'll probably end up doing more defenders or something more combined because i mean that's been probably the biggest complaint of the the netflix series is there's not enough crossover between yeah it's almost like all of this shit's happening in each other's backyards but nobody's aware of it yeah they may make it (laughs) i mean the the closest we got to any kind of crossover was uh daredevil saying when they were at the end when they're going to uh start their their law firm up again and they're like you know Karen, you're not a lawyer, but you're a damn good investigator. And Jessica Jones, this is too crazy. So uh, you should be our investigator. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like the most we got of a crossover is him like name dropping Jessica Jones. So yeah, I'm. That's probably about the. I mean, and the last Daredevil season was good, but yeah, it's that's probably the biggest complaint is there's not enough intertwining of of the shows. So if Disney doesn't do a straight up Daredevil show, we're probably going to get something like. The Avengers, or, or not Avengers, uh, Defenders, Heroes for Hire, something that combines the characters more. But yeah, I'm like, I'm not uh, at all surprised that uh, that these things are going away, and I'm definitely would not be surprised if they reappear on you know Disney streaming service or show up in you know an actual Marvel movie at some point. And well, I mean, you know, for me. I think this is one of those stepping stones that, you know, a lot of major companies always think about, well, how do I ward off piracy? And I think that, you know, this right here is exactly how and will increase piracy of, you know, those said properties. So I I don't know, you know, it, it just, to me, I just, you know, I mean, it was a good run, um, you know, and... I'm saddened to see it go, not knowing that, you know, it'll continue. I mean, I, I think Netflix, you know, has, you know, laid out a, um, you know, phenomenal path. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't think Disney will, you know, necessarily carry that legacy onward. I, I'm, I'm not confident in that. I've already we... seen, you know, too much of what's happened with Star Wars and, you know, you know what was once nostalgic and everything else has now just turned into you know another you know pc you know soap opera 
set in a universe that I love. Yeah, or it's a just straight up money grab at, yeah, at times. Let's I mean, churn out product, not necessarily worry about quality. You know, in a, a, a day and age, you know, coming over from the video game world where, you know, microtransactions and, you know, loot boxes and, you know, everything else, you know, it's all about we're going to, you know, have you spend money on a product that you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. You know, I mean, that, that's very much how I view a lot of this is the, you know, same way that I view the, the whole loot box thing. Um I guess that segues into Red Dead Redemption 2. It's out. The online beta is, you know, I, I, everybody that bought the game got access to the beta as of Friday, um, you know. And unfortunately, it looks like it's very much pay to win, but so is Grand Theft Auto V. So, I mean, who's <laughs> surprised, you know, but still folks are outraged. I don't And hence know. why I'm a grumpy old man that don't like playing online games. Exactly. You know, fortunately, the Give me a good single player. <laughs> and story is so good that I don't really care. You know, I never even once played Grand Theft Auto V online. I don't feel like I missed out. Yeah, I mean, um, that's like, you know, whatever, Fallout 76 having a whole bunch of uh, yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> negative response. That. You know, um, but the reason I, you know, bring up Red Dead Redemption 2, not because it's only a great game, but, you know, we were talking about microtransactions. Well, guess what? A company has released badass cowboy clothing that you can dress like the main characters from Red Dead Redemption, and it's only <laughs> going to cost you about a grand to look like a cowboy. Have these folks never fucking heard of Walmart? <laughs> like Jesus! Like I don't you know. know. As someone who has bought stuff from a historical emporium, uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of those costumes can get expensive. It's like here you go, an everyday shirt for a hundred and twenty dollars. It's shit. a fucking flannel shirt. Oh, look at there! You can get a uh, you know a tote bag for seventy five, a quote riding duffel bag for three twenty five. A gunslinger jacket for two fifty. Yeah, it's a little high. <laughs> like, I mean, what? Yeah. And the bad thing is, people will buy this shit. No, nah, go to historical emporium. And, 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 you can get that well, shit for like fifty dollars a piece. And, well, here's what'll <laughs> happen, right? You'll get some streamer that'll go out and buy a thousand dollars worth of fucking cowboy clothing for people that then turn around and give him a hundred thousand dollars for the month to fucking watch him play a game that they could be playing themselves. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, it blows my mind. We gotta start streaming. <laughs> I'm, you know, at the point that I reach where I am too lazy to play a video game myself and will pay somebody else to play so I can watch the video game. What the... Yeah, I'm getting I... old, man. I don't understand the phenomenon of... Uh... Paying to watch someone play a video game when I can play a video game myself. Well, that was my Badly. big, you know, thing. Like, you know, I remember when World of Warcraft was so big and people's like, yeah, but you can fish. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lake right up there. I can fish in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I can pay $50 and fish for a year or two years <laughs> for what you pay to fish for a month. I mean, I can dress like a cowboy and shoot guns, too. It's called Single Action Shooter Society. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it just role playing for adults. We actually get to shoot stuff, though. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like it's 
It's crazy. <laughs> and you know what pisses off me lawn, off? my lawn, kids. <laughs> is I haven't taken advantage of other people's money that they're willing to spend on me. Yeah. And Definitely I mean, need to start a Twitch channel. <laughs> we call it two grumpy old guys play games. <laughs> we'll probably get banned or demonetized or something. There's so many rules to that. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think when it first came about, you know, it was all about, yeah, but I can see her play a video game half naked. You know what? You can adopt some social skills and, you know, meet a nice girl and you can probably see her fully naked. You got to apply yourself. If you ask nicely, she'll play a video game with you. <laughs> the, the controller's not the only joystick she's playing with. All right, moving right <laughs> along. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, I guess that sets us up for it. There's going to be a live-action Cowboy Bebop movie Oh, yeah, Netflix. this I'm excited for. Because, <laughs> I mean, we did our Cowboy Bebop episode. I said it's kind of everyone's starter anime, and it's... I had a long discussion the other night uh, at my martial arts class with uh, my instructor, who's a big Cowboy Bebop fan of our uh, trying to figure out who, because so, I mean, we we know that it's greenlit, we know it's going to be a ten episode Netflix series, but we've not heard any casting news yet. So that's going to be interesting. Is are they going to go with you know, since it's an anime, Asian actors, American actors, what? And I will know, you know, the, probably like my the biggest thing of Cowboy Bebop was the soundtrack. Are we going to get the OG songs or are they going to get Yoko uh, Kano back to like make some new music for this series? Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, you know, with all the jazz music and everything else, I mean, if you're going to do something new, I feel like you need to do a, a new soundtrack, but yes, it definitely needs to be him to do the soundtrack. Her, her, I'm sorry, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, if it doesn't start with three, two, one, let's jam. Uh, I I don't know if I'll be interested or not. <laughs> Can we get like you know Michael J. White is is uh, Jet Black? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know, you know, because I mean even the director of the original anime, you know, is just basically going to be a consultant, you know, on this project. So yeah, it's got enough of the the original hands in the pot. So I'm hoping it's it's fairly true to the original and i mean netflix has done a yeah i've not watched i watched the uh death note movie uh but they and they've done a couple i think they did whatever a live action version of uh full metal alchemist that i've not had a chance to watch yet but you know netflix is making good original content so you know i would have been happy if even if they did a, like a new animated version like they did with uh transformers but seeing this all in in live action is going to be kind of badass uh do they have any kind of release date yet of when they're Expecting this to go forth? Unfortunately, you know, not a whole lot of information outside of, yep, this is still a thing, but, I mean... And to use a real dog or a CGI, that's the other. I mean, they've got some... If you've seen the Dumbo trailers and the... uh, The Lion King trailers... CGI, you know, is... CGI looks real nowadays. But, you know, I mean... I think it needs to be a real dog, man. (laughs) Dogs are likable people. You gotta have a a, a, a real dog. <laughs> yeah, all right, who's gonna play Edward? Because Edward, Edward's such a weird ass like just character that finding an actor that can pull off the physicality of <laughs> Edward is gonna be <laughs> interesting. 
You're going to need a freaking gymnast. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think who uh, who would fit that. I um, gosh, I'm not even sure now. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to take it back to the Mayans, um, you know, who is uh uh, what's his Coco? Like, you know, I mean, he's pretty out there and kind of crazy and. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if he can pull off a 12-year-old girl, though. But he could. <laughs> They'll CGI it. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue on that one. Yeah, it's going to be weird. But yeah, that's that's one I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing when it when it eventually appears you gotta have something to replace daredevil and all those other shows they've canceled <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know I, and, the, and the other question is do they try to just kind of remake the original anime or are they gonna we're gonna get an original story no what's gonna happen is secretly they're gonna turn this into and it's gonna be a firefly remake <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be what everybody hoped and dreamed for they just didn't know they needed <laughs> I don't know. Something else that people didn't know they needed was uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Oh, God. I don't know. Kind of the, uh, you know, some of the latest, um, you know, promo videos for it have been kind of funny. But, um, you know, here's the catch is supposedly there's going to be like 20 minutes of new footage. Yeah, see, so I'm... the fact that there's new footage, that's going to be the thing that pushes a PG-13 Deadpool over the edge. Yeah, because I'm torn. While I want to see more Deadpool, I don't want to support them making him PG-13 and, and well, maybe like you know getting future PG-13 Deadpool's. It's like I'm torn. I like I do want to see more Deadpool, but I don't want them to like think this is a good idea and make Deadpool three PG. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I really hope that they go the direction that Deadpool realizes that he's being edited. So then he starts editing everything like around <laughs> him, you know, I don't know, but yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know, cause I mean like in some of like the new footage, like, you know, he like puts his, you know, finger over to somebody's mouth, like as they go to cuss and like, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess we'll just have to um, see, you know, what that time entails. Um, all right, moving right along. Um, video game turned movie. Um, F. Scott Frazier is set to um, write the uh be the screenwriter for a Gears of War movie, hmm. which is crazy because this thing's been greenlit for like six years now. I was going to say Gears of War still a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and will we get Ice Cube in it? <laughs> I'm not quite sure um, because you know previously they had brought in um, Shane Salarno, um, who you know did Avatar, um, but you know basically. I, now, you know, I mean, 
at least F. Scott Frazier, he did um, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, and um, Which Collide. wasn't bad. So. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they weren't bad. The, the, the thing I'm curious about, though, is, you know, was the script almost finished and they're going to toss it? Or we just going to do a whole bunch of edits and rewrites? Like, I, I don't know, you know? This is kind of one of those weird, you know, articles that's like, it's been six years. Like at some <laughs> point, like you know, you're just gonna pass the realm of, hey, we were gonna do a thing, but we never got around to do a thing, so now it's not a thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, a thing that is a thing, and I'm gonna take this into the Star Trek universe because you touched on Star Trek, is there is now a new Star Trek named Whiskey. Dun dun dun. Yep, so, um, you know, Montgomery Scott, you know, was, you know, known for working with Enterprise's warp engines and uh, a love of uh, fine scotch whiskey, so he now has his own branded Star Trek um, whiskey. This is released by Silver Screen Bottling Company. <laughs> they, they're the ones that, you know, did the James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah, I remember seeing yeah you know, the ads for the James Kirk bourbon. I, I never got a hold of a a bottle, but yeah, if they're doing a, a Scotty Scotch, that's yeah. So this is now <laughs> you know it's the uh, Montgomery you know Scott, which will be a uh, blended Scotch whiskey. <laughs> uh, they they finally realized that geeks drink. <laughs> I mean, hell, I seen Deadpool on bottles of Mike Hard Lemonade the other week, so it's like now they're like, oh yeah. We've been to Dragon Con. We see how much geeks drink. We should capitalize on that. <laughs> Everybody and everything can be marketed to, my friend. Any other tidbits of news? Anything you would like to share with the fans on this episode of Fake News? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got for this week. Uh, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Uh, we're also, you can find us on our website, cigarnerdpodcast.com. Or uh, at the ESO Network at esopodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Cigar Nerd Pod. Uh, you can pick up uh, smoking shirts at realmensmokecigars.com. You can also pick up some energy drinks at strikeforceenergy.com. Don't forget the promo code Cigar Nerds. And you know, if you listen to us on iTunes or wherever, leave us a review uh, so it gets the, the word out. And, uh, you know, saddle up and ride. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.